0: stand the up Hello and welcome to Haunted Hometowns, your weekly true crime paranormal podcast. My name is Blake Lambert-Hack, and this season I will be covering deaths and hauntings in the city, in a garden, aka Chicago, with a different special guest every week. Today I'm joined by an actor, a traveler, and an overall fantastic artist, Josh Pennington.
1: Hey, hey, hey! Hey! How are you? Doing pretty good.
0: Good. Great day
1: today. Watching my friend's cat. So I have a cat
0: for the week. That's always nice to have a little pet hangout. I know. Especially during she's COVID.
1: so cute. I know. Wow. I really think that after this, I might get a cat. Like she <laughs> is so lovey. And she's, I just fed her and she is so cute. Whenever I eat, she needs to eat. So she just pedals around my feet until I give her something to eat.
0: That's so cute. My dog's the same way. <laughs> so, yeah. How long have you lived in Chicago?
1: So I've lived in the Chicago area for 15 years and I've lived inside the city for five years, just about to hit my five-year mark on May 1st, actually.
0: That's exciting. Yeah. Do you know any ghost stories in Chicago?
1: Oh my gosh. Let me think. I have to know something. (laughs) Um, So I don't, I don't know if it's haunted, but there is an abandoned hospital in Andersonville off of Clark street.
0: Yes. That place is crazy.
1: It is. And like (laughs) I, every time I pass it, I'm like, wow, this place has got to be haunted.
0: It has to be. Have you been around the backside of it?
1: No, not that I know. It's
0: completely destroyed on the backside. So the front is like nice and creepy and like eerie looking. And then you walk around to the back and it's just, you can see through like inside and everything. It's crazy.
1: Oh my gosh. We'll catch me there later.
0: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Wandering abandoned hospitals. Absolutely. Uh, Do you believe in ghosts?
1: Absolutely.
0: Yeah. How would you describe one?
1: Oh, um, I would describe it as like a feeling of cool mist running past you. Almost like if somebody's walking past with heavy perfume and you smell it for just a moment and then it's gone. That's how ghosts are.
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah. Just they're giving you a tease.
1: (laughs) Don't forget.
0: Yeah, Yeah. Don't forget I'm here. Well. Josh, are you ready for the hauntings at the Drake Hotel? Yes. Now, you know the Drake Hotel. It's a staple in Chicago.
1: Yeah, I actually just passed it yesterday.
0: See, it's, I've never stayed in it, but you, it's huge and it sits on the corner. And so like, it's in all the photos and everything. So everyone, it's iconic.
1: Yeah, you, the sign is just right there as you drive down Michigan Avenue into the loop.
0: Yes, exactly. Um, Before we get into the hauntings that we're going to be talking about, I want to just briefly touch on the history of the Drake Hotel. Um, So it was financed in 1919 by John B. Drake and Tracy Corey Drake, their brothers. Uh, They were sons of an esteemed hotelier, John Drake, and they acquired the property from Potter Palmer, the guy who did the Palmer House in the Loop. And then this brothers also owned the Blackstone Hotel, which is um, kind of by Columbia in the Loop, like okay. south South Michigan. Yeah. Um, when it was built, it cost ten million dollars. So wow, today it's like one hundred twenty million. It would have cost. It today it's not
1: even that big
0: <laughs> no <laughs> i don't have don't even have a million dollars so that seems like a lot of money <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> especially you do not then. have it yet <laughs> <laughs> uh the drake well they hired the architect benjamin howard marshall who was like he's done many buildings in chicago but the drake sat between the gold coast and which is the higher end shops you know for anyone listening who doesn't know and mag mile which is medium price shops i guess but back then like lower end compared to the gold coast so this was kind of like a good like split between the two you can stay at the hotel and either shop higher end or lower end whatever the case may be but um a little fun tidbit for people who are listening uh one of the episodes i have done previously we talk a lot about the prohibition gang wars in chicago and one of the leaders of the chicago outfits frank needy he used the drake as his offices for the gang at one point which is kind of a fun ooh which is kind of a fun little tidbit but uh, there are 535 rooms 74 suites and a six room presidential suite two ballrooms several restaurants and a members only club so that's a little bit about the Drake Hotel. If you uh, want to stay at it on your next visit to Chicago, or for a fun little, what do they call them, staycations, or whatever they're called, go check out some ghosts. But there are a few notable hauntings at the Drake. We're going to discuss the Lady in Red, the Woman in Black,
1: yes. and
0: uh, Bobby Franks. But before we get into the Woman in Black and Bobby Franks, I wanted to just quickly go through the Lady in Red because she's more of like a folklore than like an actual, like we don't. The other two, we have news articles and stuff. This one is kind of more legend. Uh, kind of like a previous episode, uh, The Resurrection Mary in Justice Illinois. But anyway, so Lady in Red, it's New Year's Eve 1919. The Drake Hotel is throwing what will be their annual party New Year's Eve party, of course. A woman in a gorgeous red dress takes a break from the party to head up to her room. When she enters, she finds her husband in bed with another woman. They argue, but instead of going home, she flees to the 10th floor and throws herself from a window. And now she haunts the 10th floor to this day.
1: Oh, my
0: God. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Now, like I said, there isn't any hard proof that a a woman in 1990 actually did that. Um, But the theory is that because the building is kind of shaped like a big chair, that if she threw herself from the 10th floor, if she landed on the lower floor, does that make sense? Yeah, instead of the seat of the chair. Right. Instead of the sidewalk, the hotel may have covered it up because they were like, this is, they just opened. So they didn't want bad press or anything like that. So a lot of people speculate that that's what happened. And that's why there's no news article reporting the death, which is crazy. Uh, The only thing recorded from that night of like shady dealings is that a woman had her uh, necklace a five thousand dollar necklace robbed from the party. So robbed off of her. That's the excellent question. <laughs> like she
1: was wearing it, and one second like, she's like, "Oh, where'd it go?"
0: I really hope that's exactly how it happened. She just is dancing her, her night, like <laughs> too many martinis in, and just like looks down. It's like, what?
1: You know, she deserved to lose it then.
0: <laughs> yes. But I, if you're not going to keep track of $5,000, then you don't deserve to have $5,000.
1: On your neck? Absolutely not.
0: <laughs> Somebody, actually, that's they just pulled an Ocean's 8. They walked into, they planned <laughs> it I all.
1: <laughs> and Hathaway with her beautiful diamond.
0: <laughs> yes. But, so the lady in red or woman in red is kind of like a ghost trope. It's, it's very common in ghost lure that a woman in red is haunting and it's usually associated with jilted women. Mm -hmm. So there's been sightings in several States and like multiple countries of a woman in red, haunting hotels, theaters and old mining communities due to uh, sex work. So that's the lady in red. I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't necessarily believe it or disbelieve it. I, uh, don't think i want to see anybody throw themselves out of a window ghost or not Mm-mm. um
1: Mm-mm-mm-mm.
0: and we always talk about like people ghosts being in like white and wispy and stuff like that but like a red dress that you would notice like running down the hall or some shit <laughs> that would be traumatizing
1: also, I would not be surprised if a Chicago hotel tried to cover up a death like this city is so shady about stuff like that. Like, yes, especially
0: yeah. in 1919,
1: <laughs> like, right? Yeah, no, that does not surprise me.
0: No, Uh, the Chicago fire was not that long before this and all this regrowth and rebuilt buildings and hotels and stuff like that. So, yeah, I, I would not put it past them to be like, we just rebuilt this thing. <laughs> we do not need any kind of bad we just press. just open
1: this hotel. We do yeah. not need bad press.
0: <laughs> okay, so I'm going to talk about uh, Bobby Franks now. And have you heard of Bobby Franks?
1: Bobby Franks actually sounds really familiar to me.
0: It was kind of a big case. Um, I mean, obviously not. When we Wait, were alive, I
1: just read a freaking play about this. Never the Sinner, Loeb and Leopold, right?
0: Yes. Bobby,
1: yes, Bobby Franks is buried like a block away from my apartment. And I've been meaning to go visit his grave because I've been like studying this play for a character, and that is so funny. Yes. That is so,
0: wild. Yes, okay. I know,
1: I know all about
0: it. <laughs> That's funny because so far, like, okay, I haven't planned any of these, like, who I'm going to be talking with, who my guests are on this podcast. It's kind of been like, oh, they, I would love to have them on. It'd be great to have them on. But I'm not, like, talking to you guys beforehand, you know, about what I'm talking about. Like, this is all brand new for you guys. Yeah. So the second episode with my friend James we were talking about traveling. uh, It's a a sinking of a ship, but they travel from Chicago River to Indiana. And I was talking about this small town in Indiana that I've never been to or heard of. And he's like, I've done a photo shoot there. And I was like, it was wild. And he's like, I know exactly what you're talking about. I'm like, okay, great. Uh, What
1: a small world.
0: For real, (laughs) the third episode, the same thing happened. Uh, My friend, Mary Nora knew she went to the church I was talking about. Like she has attended church, <laughs> and then my friend Chloe, for the fourth episode, she lived in Justice, Illinois, which is where the cemetery I was talking about. I was like, oh "What? What are the chances that you guys all have some kind of connection to the stories I'm talking about?" Yes. Oh,
1: Bobby Franks, RIP.
0: RIP, Bobby Franks. For you, for those of you who do not know who Bobby Franks is. <laughs> The date was May 21st, 1924. Bobby Franks was 14 years old when he left a baseball game to walk home, which was only three blocks away from his house. But unfortunately, he never made it home. While his father, Jacob Franks, was looking for his son, his mother, Flora, received a phone call from a man calling himself Mr. Johnson. He told her that he kidnapped Bobby, then promptly hung up, causing Flora to faint which I probably would have done the same if I found out that someone kidnapped my kid, Mm -hmm. just down. The following morning, they received a letter stating that Bobby was still alive, but asking for a ransom of $10,000 that afternoon. Now, Jacob Franks made his fortune in real estate and later was the president of a watch company. So they had money and they were kind of, the higher ups in Chicago, like people knew about them and they had a good house. And so whoever sent this letter, they knew that they had money and they knew they could get $10,000 from them, which I feel like a lot of times when you watch TV shows or something like that, people are like, but I don't have that kind of money. How am I to, you know, Yeah, this was a rich family. So while Jacob was withdrawing the money in Chicago, a tip came from a Morgan, in Indiana that said they found a boy's body in a drainage ditch. When Jacob and Flora received the call from Mr. Johnson as to where to bring the money, Flora's brother was identifying the body in Indiana as Bobby Franks. So they never delivered the money because by the time her brother found out it was Bobby Franks, Five days later, the detectives traced a pair of spectacles found near Bobby's body back to a U of Chicago law student, a 19 year old Nathan Leopold. And they were able to trace it back because it was a there was a special hinge on the glasses that only three Chicagoans had purchased. Yeah. Like, what are the odds?
1: And like, how how do you even think of being like, let's see what these Hinges are, you know, yeah, yeah. Like, and like the prescription or whatever.
0: Exactly, people,
1: people smarter than me. I would not <laughs> be a good detective. I'd like, ooh, some glasses. I don't know what these do.
0: Useless. <laughs> There's so many people with glasses. No, yeah, that's it's kind of crazy. I wonder how they were able. Like who? Yeah, I, that's not something I would have gone to. Yeah. <laughs> of course, and this kind of uh, well, the cops didn't want to embarrass the millionaire family, so they asked him questions at the LaSalle Hotel instead of the police station. So, police corruption is a hot topic right now, and rest assured, it was a hot topic back in 1924 as well. Mm-hmm. Two days later, Nathan and his friend Richard confessed to Bobby's death after, Nathan, after Nathan's chauffeur said he was having his car repaired during the time that they said they were using it. So I guess with the glasses tracing back and them being caught in a lie, they were like, okay, we'll confess. Richard and Nathan said they lured Bobby into the car as he walked home from the base. game. Uh, Richard is Bobby's second cousin and regularly played tennis with him and the family, so that's kind of how he was able to lure Bobby into the car. But as soon as Bobby got into the car, he was repeatedly hit over the head with a chisel and then gagged with a rag to stifle his cries. Poor Bobby.
1: Poor Bobby. I
0: can't imagine. This kid's 14 years old. Like,
1: and by his cousin, bitch, I would be so upset. I,
0: you're, I'd i be pissed.
1: Well, I mean, I guess if I were Bobby Franks, I'd be dead, but.
0: <laughs> <laughs> his ghost is pissed. His as, ghost is
1: pissed.
0: As he should be. <laughs> uh, okay, this kind of this information is kind of sad, but Nathan is quoted saying the boy did not succumb as readily as we had believed which means they did it for a while. As they drove to Indiana to hide the body, they stopped for lunch having hot dogs and root beer. So they really uh, they were not worried. They could care less. It was just something they did for the day. Once they returned after hiding Bobby's body, they burned their clothes. The blanket, the blanket used to move Bobby's body and the typewriter used to send Bobby's parents the ransom. So you're going to go through all of that. You're going to clean up the entire evidence and leave your spectacles.
1: Right. And also like, if you're driving, wouldn't you have needed your spectacles? Like what?
0: It doesn't make sense to me. They were, they obviously were worried enough that they'd burn all this stuff to get rid of the evidence, but weren't worried enough about things they left behind. I don't know. It just seems odd to me, but They cleaned the back of the car as well. So I don't know. They claimed they just wanted to see if they could get away with it. You know, the good old perfect crime. Can you pull off something, get away with it? I would hope that if you're trying to achieve that, you would do something like stealing or not murder. Right. Exactly. And not murder of your family. I just, I can't understand. They were disappointed in the end and are, quote, saying that they felt the same as ever. So these guys are definitely sociopaths. Yeah. They were sentenced to life, plus 99 years, which so far in this podcast, we have not seen anybody go to jail for their crimes. So this is a plus. After the trial, Bobby's parents sold their house and moved into the Drake Hotel so that's where they lived for the rest of their days uh, Jacob eventually died of a heart attack in the hotel and then later down the road Flora also died in the hotel and now they are said to s- people have said to have seen them wandering the hotel mourning the loss of their son
1: oh my gosh.
0: so this is a sad ghost story
1: but, yeah
0: I feel like if I saw anybody walking through a hotel and looked sad, I would off. I I, I'd say, are you okay or something? (laughs) And they vanish. Yeah. I can't imagine. Yeah. That's sad. Yeah. Now we're going to take an incredibly quick break and then we'll be back with the woman in black. So rent a room on the 10th floor, avoid playing tennis with your second cousin. And if you encounter a ghost, don't be rude and ask how they are. We'll be right back.
1: That's so funny. I'm literally reading this play about Bobby Franks and
0: it's, I didn't know there was a play.
1: Yeah. It's called never the Sinner. it's by John Logan and it is about um, uh, Loeb and Leopold, the two, the two guys who murdered him. Right. And so it was rumored that they were in love with each other.
0: Oh. And so
1: uh, Richard Loeb, he would hold his sexuality over Leopold. Um, Leopold was like gay and he liked Richard, but Richard was straight, but knew he could manipulate Leopold by being like, oh, I will have sex with you if you commit this murder with me. So while Leopold's like, I don't know if I want to commit murder. He's like, I really want to have sex with um, Richard. So I'm going to murder this guy. Or really he's just the accomplice. Like he just like, drives and stuff right. was like Loeb, like actually commits the murder but it's a lot about the trial and um darrow and crow which were two famous lawyers were the prosecuting and defending lawyer and so it's all about the whole trial process with flashbacks to leading up to the murder oh, and nice. then afterwards it's really cool um, like i mean I- it's a good good play written i flashbacks.
0: love courtroom plays especially with like little yeah. flashbacks that's fun
1: i think it's one of my favorite because i just watched the trial of chicago 7 um, oh yeah a couple weeks ago and they actually reference darrow and uh crow's trial for this yeah and i i didn't really like i thought the movie was really good but it was um i don't know i thought i thought it was slow and sometimes but i think the play actually moves really quickly because it's not segmented as like this is the trial portion this is the right flashback. it's very interdispersed, so it's it reads very quickly to me
0: i like that yeah, yeah, yeah i prefer uh i prefer a bunch of things different time periods happening at the same time and then at the end it kind of comes together makes more sense i don't me know too. yeah it's kind of like the the opera i'm trying to write it's like a very like past night 10 years later night that night Ooh. 10 years later night back and forth kind of thing but i, like that. I prefer that I okay prefer anyway. yeah anyway. anyway we're back we're gonna talk about the woman in black and not to be confused with the movie Woman in Black.
1: Okay, I was going to ask. <laughs> I was like, I don't know if any swamps around here or Daniel Radcliffe.
0: Right. <laughs> have you seen that play? I love that play.
1: So, I haven't, but I I know it just came through here a couple years ago.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's Did where I see saw it, it. When it was here? Yeah. It yeah. was fantastic. I mean, it's a two-person show, which is kind of fun to see that put together.
1: So my friend was telling me about it when I was in college. He had seen a production in Austin, Texas. And uh-huh. he was saying that they had like seven women play the woman in black. So they would strobe the lights and a different actress would pop up around the theater, like in the audience and stuff. So as an audience member, you were like, whoa, she's right next to me. And then she was gone, yeah. you know, and just like up on stage. And um, did they do that when you saw it at the Royal George?
0: Similarly, um. I don't think it was seven, but there were a couple people playing the ghosts and it was fun because they had the scrim in the back. So when, and then the door, the room. And so when he would like open the door and go through the door, the scrim, you saw behind the scrim and then it was all like that. And then when things were happening in front of the scrim, you'd see the ghosts wander up the stairs behind the scrim or like, yeah, it was very, uh, it was great. I loved it.
1: (laughs) Horror theater. I need more of it.
0: That's, again, the opera I'm writing is horror theater because I there isn't enough of it. I I love horror theater so much. Yeah. Okay. So (laughs) Chicago's Woman in Black. Black. (laughs) Chicago's Woman in Black, the Drake Hotel's Woman in Black. January 1944, a 58-year-old Mrs. Adele Bourne Williams arrived to her eighth-floor apartment in the Drake with her daughter, and found the door unlocked. Hmm. When they enter, they found a gray-haired woman in a black coat who had been hiding in the bathroom. The woman pulled an antique pistol from her purse and fired two shots at Williams' daughter, but fortunately missed. Ah. The woman quickly left the bathroom and fired multiple shots at Adele unfortunately hitting her in the head. Oh. Within hours, she was dead. The woman left the room, chased by the daughter who yelled, stop that crazy woman. She shot my mother. But of course the woman vanished. Now, police launched a massive search because of, I mean, it's a woman stay, living in the Drake Hotel. I'm sure she had money I'm sure she was of privilege, so the police were, went all out on the search.
1: Yeah,
0: but they didn't find the described woman or the gun. But four hours later, or some would say, a couple days, depending on who you what you know article you read. But later, they found the gun, but it was found shattered at the bottom of a staircase in the hotel. Shattered? a spare like, yeah like just how does a gun shatter? <laughs> that's an excellent question i kind of feel like it was probably dropped from like whatever high floor that they had and fell all the way down to like the first floor that's kind of what i imagined in my head and like or, bits
1: just fly everywhere
0: right okay or it was taken apart you know and left just like tossed you know Uh, but either way yeah the gun was uh it was not whole (laughs) and uh they didn't get any dna off of it or anything plus back then i don't know they weren't doing dna so (laughs) they weren't doing (laughs) things like that but the gun wasn't the only thing missing at the time a spare key to the room was also missing from the front desk but mysteriously appeared back at the desk by 10 p.m. the night of the murder. So we have a lot of questions going on right now and no answers.
1: So it was the front desk person. Who was working the front desk?
0: (laughs) Who was working the front desk? I should have
1: been the detective.
0: (laughs) (laughs) On top of that, nothing was stolen from the room, but Adele, who died, had $100,000 in a a safety deposit box for unknown reasons. Another odd clue is that there was a rumor Adele had mental problems. And before the murder, a phone call from the room was placed made to a fish and ale house two blocks away. And of course, the murder was never solved. So to recap. A woman with gray hair and a black coat entered their apartment on the eighth floor, called a fish and ale place two blocks away, took nothing and shot the woman who was living in the hotel and then disposed of the gun and then returned the spare key to the front desk.
1: What is with Chicagoans killing people than going to eat?
0: <laughs> excellent question. I mean, I guess you get hungry during any Murder. kind of activity. <laughs> no, you're right.
1: Oh
0: my God, excellent Crazy. question. Um, today, you can find the woman in black haunting the eighth floor. Of course, so we got a ghost on the tenth floor. We have a ghost on the eighth floor and then a couple wandering, I'm sure, the entire hotel. Maybe the ballrooms. But I'm going to get into some of the theories behind the woman in black. So I'm not going to leave you there. This one, I'm not leaving you hanging. Mm -hmm. One theory is that the daughter murdered her mother amidst a fight over the gun. Mm. She would have an extra key. Why would she take anything that she lived with, you know? So, yeah. logistically it kind of makes sense um, sticking with her daughter another is that the daughter planned the murder with her father because she was being written out of the will however when Adele was shot she didn't die right away so she was able to tell the first few people to arrive that the woman was dressed in black with a rose in her hair and that she didn't know the shooter hmm so a lot of people are saying, obviously, it can't be the daughter because the mom would be like, it was my daughter who shot me. Right. Um, there's also witnesses corroborating, saying that they saw a woman in black fleeing who had something red in her hair. So that all kind of checks out. Now, the gun. We don't have DNA, but the gun was traced back to a Walter Brown who claimed he stole it, but later turned it into the police. And they checked his background everything. He was in prison at the time of the murder. So he didn't do it. Mm-hmm. And the police officer that he claimed to have given the gun to claimed to have received guns from Walter Brown, but he never received this particular gun. Mm-hmm. And the only other person to receive guns from Walter was his sister. And she had once used a gun in an attempted holdup. But at the time of the murder, she was also working. However, she worked at the front desk at the Drake.
1: It was her! (laughs) It was her! She did it! (laughs)
0: She, She did it. But on top of that, Ellen, Anna's sister, also worked at the hotel. So... You're right in the sense that, yeah, these two girls are the number one suspects. (laughs) Though, I don't know how much of this information they knew at the time, which is probably why the murder was never solved. Also, I don't think there's any evidence. I mean, other than like you said, well, the key's missing, so it's got to be her. You know, there's no other real evidence to convict.
1: But who, who took that key,
0: you know? Yeah, I, I guess she could have given it to anybody if she p- helped plan it or whatever the case may be. Or someone else in the hotel who works there. Oh, I'm True. cleaning the room. I need a key or something. Yeah. I guess there's a lot of loose ends, but you're right. She's the 100% Involved,
1: numberless. somehow, knows something.
0: Yeah. Well, let me give you a little background on Ellen Bennett. She dropped out of sixth grade. She married a 57-year-old at 15 and had a child who disappeared. So we... The child disappeared? Yeah. Um, eventually, she divorced her 57-year-old husband. So I don't... History's lost. I don't know if the child went with him in the divorce. I don't know if he died of who knows pneumonia at the time who uh, the child's gone yeah after she divorced she enrolled at northwestern but using a friend's high school diploma because obviously she dropped out at sixth grade but hey she went to college
1: and to northwestern damn
0: yeah right good for her friend she had a good friend
1: she really did she had a good friend
0: (laughs) who had high act scores (laughs) She borrowed her brother's gun. This is the, the earlier what I was talking about. So she, the incident was she borrowed her brother's gun and held up a woman, then fled in a car owned by a state senator. So she she was caught.
1: Politics, Gosh, yeah. this
0: city. Right? She was caught, but then she was put on probation. So she didn't really serve any jail time for stealing a senator's car and so on. She married another ed- elderly man after that and used his money to buy jewelry and then would report the jewelry stolen for money. And then her husband was murdered. And that murder was never solved either.
1: It was her. Right. She did it. Again, I should have been the detective.
0: Let's get Josh on all these cold <laughs> cases. He's got them solved.
1: I'm here for it. <laughs>
0: Uh, she married again, and this is when she lived in the Drake. And so she was working and living in the Drake during the woman in black murder. Mm. Police also traced a call from Ellen Bennett's room at the Drake, but her room, to the same pub two weeks prior.
1: Mm. So she wanted to go back to her favorite spot.
0: Is it a popular pub? Was she just hungry for that fish and chips? <laughs> uh, you're right. What was the it,
1: pub called again?
0: I'm not sure. I wonder if it's, it's
1: still around.
0: I don't think it is. I'm trying to think of pubs around the Drake, and There's I just can't.
1: An Irish pub underneath on um, I well I don't know. It's called like mckinnell's or something
0: oh i know what you're talking about i'm gonna look it up because i'm curious to see yeah
1: it's on uh, ah what are those streets called ontario and google maps come on google
0: (laughs) the drake chicago let's see oh yeah there's all those restaurants on rush yeah 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 and some of those, Dublin's barring, some of those have been around for a, a minute.
1: I'm going to find it. My detective hat is on.
0: <laughs> um, no one was charged for this murder, unfortunately. unfortunately. And a lot of people get a little confused because when I say the woman in black is haunting the eighth floor, a lot of people are like, but wait, the m- murderer was wearing black. So how is she haunting the eighth floor? Does that make oh, sense? Yeah. She gave her a coat. <laughs> but that's not to say the per Adele who was murdered wasn't wearing a black as well. Like I'm <laughs> sure true. I'm sure black was a very popular color back then. Back
1: then only one person could wear each color. I was a yellow person.
0: N- you stepped out of the house. It was claimed everyone has to go back home and change clothing because that's just not going to. Cannot. Um, <laughs>
1: Maybe so that was you... the dispute. She was like, "You're wearing black too. Uh, uh-uh. no. Nope.
0: Get out of my room. No man. <laughs> you're allowed to be in my room, but you're not allowed to wear black and be in my room. So, <laughs> right.
1: so change your clothes or you're done. And uh, wow, she was done
0: she was done that's yeah so the bobby franks and the woman in black adele uh williams those were heavily uh i don't want to say broadcast because it's the i don't know they were in the newspaper they were uh talked about heavily in chicago at the time especially bobby franks i mean like you said it's now a play right um big big case uh So what are your uh, final thoughts about everything you heard?
1: I had no idea the Drake was so haunted.
0: Yeah. Would you, would you spend the night at the Drake?
1: Absolutely. Yep. I was just thinking that I was like, wow, now I need to go visit the Drake.
0: (laughs) Would you spend the night in one of the rooms that might be haunted? Is that too far or is that? (laughs) No. Yeah. I would do that. I would do that. I'm the same way. I want to, I'm there to experience something. So what better way than to live right in the midst of
1: it? I'm also like, I really want to see ghosts. Oh my God. This cat. cat, I don't know if you heard that. This cat. I did. I'm watching her bag of food empty today. And she's now climbing into the empty bag of food. (laughs) Looking for more food. This cat. I swear. She's so funny.
0: It's love to climb into anything. It could be the smallest box or bag to
1: She likes to go into the fridge anytime I open it. Um, <laughs> but I did see a ghost when I was a kid. My grandpa worked at the Omaha Air Force base and mm. it was rumored to be haunted by a pilot who had crashed a plane into the side of the building. He had mistaken the lights on the building for the lights of the runway and flew this uh, plane into the side and obviously died and haunts the building. And so my grandpa was working there and he took me and my sister with him. He had to go back there and get something late at night. Where was this? Omaha, Kansas.
0: That's right. That's right. Okay.
1: And so... We, I was really little. I was like three. My sister was like five and Uh he comes out of his office and sees the two of us talking to nothing. And he told us this, like, as we were kids growing up and we always knew. And then one day when I was a teenager, my sister and I are watching TV and we stumble across this show hauntings across America and we start telling our babysitter that about like our, um grandpa and this experience and then it pops up uh like air force base in omaha kansas we're like oh my god this is it this is it and then my grandpa was interviewed by this documentary hey. and it played and i was like wow that is my grandpa talking about me
0: on this documentary. <laughs> so what did you do you remember i know you were young but do you remember what you saw I
1: don't. My sister does, um, but I just remember, you know, stories about it because I was right.
0: right, right. But
1: my sister does actually remember
0: like talking to Yeah. Talking to the ghost. That's crazy.
1: Yeah. Right. I mean, I feel like kids are just open to seeing stuff like that. And as uh, adults, I think our brain checks it out. It's kind of like um, I was learning in college about visual intake and like our brain processes so many colors, shapes and everything, but we have like almost like a filter where we will filter out and make kind of like a diluted version of what we are actually seeing so that our brain can process it easier. And I wonder if the same thing kind of like uh, um, happens with ghosts, like we can still see them, but our brain processes them out.
0: That's so interesting. I haven't even thought about that as being a possibility, because, I mean, I've had my ghost experiences, and it's kind of it's like weirdly common in my mom's side of the family. So it's kind of just something that we've accepted as like, yeah. oh, this happens. Cool. We'll just move on with our lives, type of deal. Um, but that's fascinating. <laughs> but I I can totally see that happening. Where. Your brain just makes up for, I mean, it happens all the time when you're like reading and there are certain letters left out. You just, your brain automatically fills the letters and things
1: Exactly,
0: similar to that. Yeah. That makes sense. Or it's like,
1: you're looking at um, a plant and you're like, oh, the leaves are green. And then you actually spend some time looking at it. You're like, oh no, you know, I see like yellow and blues and there's so many more colors into it. But at first glance, it's like, oh, it's green.
0: Right, right, right. Huh. That's so cool. Well, I have a listener's ghost story for you. Um, Do you know Milliken University?
1: I do. Yeah.
0: I almost went to Milliken, but. um, So here I attended Milliken and a friend of mine lived in Blackburn Hall, which is an all girls dorm at Milliken. Bonnie Blackburn Continues to live there. She was a student at Millican who wasn't having a great college experience, so she ended up drinking acid to take her own life. Oh my god. She now haunts it and is incredibly active. Anytime a friend of mine would have a male sleepover, they would wake up with scratches all over them or feel sick. What? So. I'm not staying there. That's decided
1: absolutely not. Men no, no,
0: no. don't stay at Blackburn. Uh, Bonnie was also known to unplug phones so they wouldn't charge, and she would also hide hide them once someone couldn't find their phone until a month later at move out day when she found it sewn into her mattress. what That one sounds a little more pranky, but
1: I mean, that sounds like a bad roommate she had.
0: Right. Bonnie is usually spotted in the windows from outside the building, but from her shoulders down. And that's from Hannah. I went to school at Roosevelt University, which is part of the audit, which is the auditorium building in Chicago, which was built forever ago. And it is definitely haunted. But I'm not sleeping in a in the haunted theater or in the haunted parts of the building. That is a whole next. I would go to my RA and be like, yeah, I can't live here. I don't you gotta figure something out.
1: I'm waking up with scratches on me. Yeah. No, no, no.
0: I don't need my phone not charging. I do not need feel sick every other day. I do not need my I don't need scratches on my body. acid poured down my throat.
1: No, no, ma'am.
0: No. Also, I want to know when she did that. Cause I feel like acid is like one of the worst ways you could do that.
1: Yeah. Like when, when to burn your tongue and stuff first,
0: It'd burn every like you would be oh. in agony the entire time. Oh my God. Like, is that, that's not instantaneous. That has to like work its way through your body and it's burning the entire time. That's awful. You,
1: you would have to chug, 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 chug. Right? And like, oh my God, nope. I don't even want to think about it. Mm-mm.
0: No wonder yeah. she haunts that dorm. She was pissed.
1: <laughs> yeah, to go through. Yes. Mm-hmm.
0: She was not having any of it. Yeah, I, no thank you. I could not. Well... Thank you so much for being here, Josh. Mm. I enjoyed your company as we talked through the Drake Hotel. <laughs>
1: <laughs> My new favorite place.
0: Yes, we'll have to, I definitely want to uh, go, at least go to one of the restaurants that is in the hotel. We should go like uh, have a little dinner dinner date and then walk through the hotel and see if we see <laughs> Let's do it. That would be really fun. I love that, especially because you're leaving soon, aren't you?
1: Yeah, I am. I'm leaving at the end of July.
0: That's so soon.
1: I know. So I've got a couple more months to go see this Drake Hotel.
0: That's In exciting.
1: Five. Yeah. Where, where are you going again? Los Angeles. That's right. Mm-hmm. That'll be so fun. Make my way out west.
0: That's okay. I'm like so. I'm literally this close to make my way out east. So. Well, where are you going? Got it. Or Hopefully New York. Going. Yeah, New York. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. It just, it needs to happen. It's time. Yeah. <laughs> Until then we will visit the Drake, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you can follow haunted hometowns on Twitter and Instagram at haunted hometowns. And please everyone, please, 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 please email me your ghost stories. I really, and honestly, truly want to hear everyone's. And if not you, and you don't have one, tell your friends to email me because there's nothing better than a ghost story, but email me those at haunted hometowns podcast at gmail.com could be anything from a mysterious breath on the back of your neck to your dead grandma, bitching at you for not calling enough, whatever the case may be, email it to me and Josh, let them know where they can find and watch you and what you're doing. You can find me
1: on Instagram. My handle is the dot prince underscore Joshua.
0: There you go. Go follow him and watch his career blossom. Yeah. Thank you again for joining me. And I'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. This episode's information comes from Wikipedia. Ghosts of Chicago by Adam Seltzer, and Crime Reads by Nina Barrett. The fantastic artwork is made by Pepe Munoz. You can follow him on Instagram at p.e.p.e.munoz, M-U-N-O-Z. And the music is from Tyre. Follow him on Instagram at FOR BOYS LIKE ME. That's F O R BOYS LIKE ME.